So hi. This podcast is recorded in a house with animals, one of whom I'm sure will be making themselves known shortly, since he didn't want food. Which means he wants love. Or maybe he just wants to be an ass. You never know. Yes, this is also a good time to mention we swear. We do. We swear we have been known to drop more than one F-bomb in the middle of a podcast. It is worth noting that that is the worst thing you will hear, but because the podcast sites only let you mark them clean or explicit guess what? We have to mark it explicit. But it won't be that explicit. It's just like strong language and and shit. See, there it is now. Welcome to Productivity Alchemy episode 102. I thought we were 103. No, this is 102. Oh, okay. Yeah, because last week was letters. That was 101. This week is my interview with Mike Green, which was amazing, and I can't wait to share that with everybody. And next week... With 103 is my interview with Star, longtime uh, writer and listener. So, no, no. Episode 100 was you being interviewed. Episode right. 101 was a letter show. Right. Episode 102 was Mike Green, which makes this episode 103. But I thought, yeah, but I'm looking at the calendar, and this is... This you is, literally just showed me your thing and said this is 103. No, I was wrong. Okay. I was wrong. I, and I'll admit, if I told you this was 103, I was wrong, because it's not. Okay. It's not. Last week was the letter show. Yes. Which was 101. Uh, okay, then what's today? Uh, today is the interview with Mike Green. Okay. 102. All right. <laughs> God, if only there was a podcast we could listen to about getting organized. Well, gee, you wonder. <laughs> Someone should get on that. Yeah. So... <laughs> So one of the things I've been doing this past week, as I'm getting used to my new job still and doing all the new hire training stuffs, has been writing down my appointments in my planner. Not that I use the planner primarily, but it helps cement in my mind the things that are coming up. Right. I mean, with the Mac, I have a couple extra tools now that, like, one displays my upcoming calendar events on the desktop background and... Uh, I've been using things pretty regularly, which is kind of nice because it's got a much more granular sort of almost GTD focus with projects and contacts and stuff. And so that's that's kind of cool. And I can just go to the Elastic onboarding thing and see what's left for me to do in or what's next in my, my learning as I'm learning how to to do all this stuff or go to the podcast thing to see where the interviews are lined up because I've also added a Zapier, a Zapier Zap that takes any new calendar invite and puts it in things as a to-do. Cool. Which is, so I'm, I'm leveraging the automation. Uh, so, and yeah, it, it's pretty cool. You just used leveraging. I, I did. Why? Because it's what I'm doing. Yes, but. I'm, I'm using it in an appropriate manner. All right, but if you say something about being proactive or synergizing... Uh, I will not say synergizing. I might say proactive when I use it the way it was intended, not as a marketing or technical buzzword. If you start talking about granularity and powders in some form are not what is being discussed, then I will have to kick you in the shins. Yes, absolutely. But right. only in the right shin, because the left shin still has fresh tattoo on it. Yes, I would, yeah, not, okay. I would, I would not mar the tattoo. Yeah. Which the the latest work is healed now, so that's that's nice. Uh, really, though, uh, a lot of my day is spent uh, running commands against the test environment to see if I can to see how it works. 
like figuring out how this stuff works. There's a lot of self-teaching involved, which is good. It wasn't, it's not like apparently the old days where they would just throw you straight into the, into the on-call and say, well, you've been here X amount of time. You're in on-call now. Sink or swim. I really appreciate not being thrown into on-call that way. Yes, indeed. <laughs> yes. We all appreciate that, yeah. those of us who live with you. Uh, indeed, indeed. Uh, still very excited to be working with the team I'm working with. Still meeting new people. The, the company's big enough that, uh, you know, I'm still meeting new members of my own team. It's a little weird sometimes. I mean, it's only meeting online, but it's, you know, when we we have a big uh, gathering coming up in the fall, and when that happens... I'll meet everybody in person, but it's, it's, it's really cool. So I guess if you're a cynic, you'll say, well, I guess you're still in the honeymoon phase. If you've, you know, been around IT for any length of time, you're going, (laughs) that won't last, but it's really been a great job so far. Awesome. So, and then, I'm having to find, you know, new ways to keep myself organized uh, based on the tools that we use for work. And I'm trying to work that more towards an, a holistic approach for tools I use for work and home so that I'm at least using a consistent set of tools, even if I'm not using the same machine for both things. Okay, you just used holistic, and uh, you're on real thin ice. I'm on, okay, 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 <laughs> okay, okay. The buzzwords, man, too many of them. Well, here comes, oh, Sergey, you, no, not that, oh, what did you, oh. Let me just move this spare keyboard that's all, or the second keyboard I have for this thing out of the way. While you talk about your week, what did you uh, get done? Yes, I, I'm just looking at all the scary lines on I'm the... I'm gonna fix that. Okay. Um, <laughs> I worked. You worked. Uh, yes, I did things. Um, You've edited a book. Sergey, Yes, no. I edited a novella uh, <sighs> that should be coming out hopefully end of July. And that'll be self-pub if you're on the Patreon. You get it for free, etc. Um, I... We finally got the computer issue sorted. Mm. I say we. You did all the work. <laughs> uh, got the computer issue yep. sorted. I can run prints on it now. I've been running prints. No, Sergey. I got all of my journal pages done for the Kickstarter because I there was a deadline. Yes, and, and we uh, know you're deadline driven. Yes, um, and I have been working off and on. Well, I mean, today this week I edited the one novella. I've been working on editing the big horror novel that uh, will. I don't know when it's coming out from Saga. It this is have the a second name. one. This is the second one. The second one. Yeah, and. Today I was like, all right, this is the last day of the week I will have any productivity because tomorrow I have like major dentist appointment and the day after that I get on a plane. Yeah. And at the crack of stupid. So yeah. I'm like, okay, today I will just work on anything I want to work on. Yay. And I sat down and wrote 3,000 words on what may or may not be the next horror novel. So I felt pretty good about that. 3,000 words. Yeah. That's that's pretty good even for you yeah yeah it was yeah. it was good i i had stuff to say and in one of those nice moments of serendipity it starts with the reading of a will and my lawyer happened to walk in the coffee shop <laughs> at the moment i was like had just finished up the scene i was like hey hey will you read this and she's like okay well to start with no one reads a will 
There isn't a reading of the will. That's only a thing in movies. No one does that. Like, Did anyone ever do that? I don't know. Oh. She's like, no, I've, I don't do that. I've, I don't know anyone who does that. However, were I reading the book, I would be like, okay, it's a book, so they have a reading of the will, whatever. Uh, and But I got the bit about, like, trusts, right? She made me change a couple of bits of the language so that it was lawyery. <laughs> She's like, this would be an irrevocable trust, and it would be for the benefit of so-and-so, so that's what you want to say. But uh, otherwise, yeah, this is this is looking, looking well, good. good. I'm like, wow. I'm, I'm. She's like, yes, this would not make me run screaming into the night if I read it. And I'm like, Well, this Yay! is good. This is good. Yeah, because, I mean, we, we don't want her running screaming into the night for legalities. No, in the horror no. Novel. We want her running screaming into the night for other reasons. Yes, ideally, you know, you want to evoke horror, but yeah. only at the things you were hoping to evoke, not right. at the, oh my god, this is so poorly written. Uh, yeah. True, Or true. poorly researched or whatever. Very true, very true, yeah. very true. So, you were very productive today. You've been very productive all week. I have been, and... Uh, I am about to go away for a weekend, mm-hmm. and it's one of those things where I know I will have fun once I'm there, <laughs> and it will be a good trip and all of that. I'm just like in my, oh God, I don't want to leave the house, you know, cling to the blankets and be pried away stage. Once I'm there, it'll be fine. But I'm flying to Washington, and that is such a long flight. Oh, I know. So, I know. and it's it's usually made longer by layovers because you can't because yeah. while we can get direct flights, they always cost more, and especially like on my uh, when I'm required to travel corporate wise, I have to take you know the lowest cost or lower cost, so I almost never get to do direct. Yeah, for the for the long flights like that. Yeah, I have no idea where my layover is. I think I got it down to one layover and not two, but yeah. it's I mean, I'm I'm happy to do it. It's it's a family thing. My cousin's fiftieth. I, you know, haven't seen her in ages. We saw each other once at a funeral uh in the past ten years. So it's like I am totally happy to go out and do this thing, but I'm in just in the pre oh god travel no mode as opposed to the yay trip mode right yeah right so i'll be fine you'll be fine i just am mm-hmm. having the i don't want to leave the house and i'm looking at the the you'll be gone teenagers gone it'll just be me the cats the dogs and the chickens and there's a good chance that even though you're only gonna be gone like three days you'll become feral by the time you get back i may have a secret language with the cats the dogs and the chickens yes and then I'll be interpreting between them. Or I may just narrate their, their lives for them. Uh, as long as I don't catch you trying to negotiate peace between the chickens and the cats or whatever. No. As a no, go-between, no, no. I, I... Yeah. No, no. The, these are separate <laughs> separate continents. Yes. You know, and no one is allowed to, to leave their continent. Yes. Very xenophobic states here. Yes. Mostly because the dogs... We'll eat the chickens. The chickens will really attempt to fuck up the cats. At least Lord Rooster will. And Lord Rooster also pretty much figures he could take a dog. Sergei, on the other hand, has enough sense to go, that's a big rooster, and leave. It, it is funny. Whenever Sergei tries to bolt outside, Lord sees him and just starts this very purposeful walk towards him. Yes. And Sergei's like, I'm going into the woods now, away from you, dinosaur. Yeah. 
sometimes I think Sergei really has a better grasp of things about Lord Rooster than we do. Hey, well, he is a dinosaur, and Sergei is Sergei. He is. Yes. And I am sure if we were little scurrying, squeaky mammals, Lord Rooster would eat us. Oh, I'm sure. Yes. I'm sure. And Or a reptile. He does. I'm sure he loves his lizards. Yeah. We have no lizards in the front yard anymore. I've noticed. We have them in the back still, yes. but not in the front. But not in the front. Well, I, I hope you do not become weird and feral and I, I invent your not. own language. I mean... It was close yesterday. I had a really bad evening. Uh, you you saw some of it. Yes, you were definitely very frazzled. Yeah, there was there was a lot of frazzling going on, and you know things that were forgotten and then remembered. And then I think dinner came out late, and then there were hiccups with getting hidden almanac ready. And then next thing I know, it's ten p.m. and I haven't sat down since I stopped work and I was just like, frazzled. It happens to everybody. Oh yeah. And then, uh, something woke me up around four. So there was another half hour of awake. So it was, it was a, like the last 24 hours were a rough, rough time. Um, and I try not to take that out on the people in the house. You're generally very good about it. Yeah. Although occasionally, when someone, I'm looking at you, Sergey, decides to be a royal pain, he gets himself locked out of the studio. I'm yes. looking at Sergey. He's asleep on my work laptop. He's right not now. asleep. He's just pointedly ignoring you. He's really good at pointedly ignoring uh, you. He he has skills. I think he's also pointedly ignoring little Orange, who just walked in front of him. Yes. Of course, I don't know if he can. Yep, I can surprise him because he had his bad eye towards me, so I could sneak up on him, which. Yes, Sergey, I know. Now he will look offended, but there will be petting. There's petting, so we're okay. So I've packed, and I'm getting ready to go. Yes. And you are recovering from frazzlement. Yep. And tomorrow there will be more frazzlement. Hopefully not as much. Well, not for me, because I'm taking a a sedative before my dental appointment, so uh, either I will be feeling no pain, or we will discover just how opiate-resistant I am, one of the two. (laughs) I don't think they're giving you a... Anyway. Um, and then I also have to run to Charlotte to take... It will be a hectic day. Yeah, Jacob back to his mom. I've not had a chance to sit him down in front of a microphone, but it's summer vacation. He has really no schedule around here anymore. He's doing volunteer work in South Carolina. He has a, a volunteer hours requirement for graduation. Mm-hmm. And since he will be a senior... And since he had an AB honor roll again this year, uh, he, you know, he's, he's in the home stretch and colleges are actively sending recruiting materials to the house. Which is neat. Which is kind of neat. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't get any. Uh, my other son didn't get any. Did, that's right. You were headhunted by. West Point and Bryn Mawr. Yeah. My, uh, my stepfather really wanted me to, it was like. Go to West Point, it'll be funny. I'm like, no. 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 Occasionally I feel a pang about not having gone to Bryn Mawr, but then, you know, <laughs> my life would have turned out very differently. Very differently. And uh, it's probably just as well. I was fine at McAllister. It was very nice. And McAllister's uh, a fantastic, well-regarded school. Yes, and yeah. I... 
to this day, the two most useful classes I took there were uh, biology of invasive species and uh, Brazilian Indians. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So and so, it'll be interesting to see what Jacob gets out of out of college, since he knows the program he wants. He has the schools he wants to go to targeted. And is getting all the, the starting to prep everything to be able to apply come fall. Cool. So it's really kind of an exciting time for that. And we will catch up with him hopefully at the end of the summer. Yes. <laughs> Since uh, he's likely going to be gone while we're doing all of our trips. Yes. As a reminder, we will be at Anthrocon. We will. First weekend of July. We will be at San Diego Comic Con. Yes. Uh, good luck finding us if we're not at the Sofa Wolf table or at. I, I will have panel. a signing on the schedule. Uh, I will have two signings on the schedule. I will also be at the Sofa Wolf table a lot of the time. Right. And if I am not there when you come up, they will be able to tell you when I will definitely be there. Exactly. And I'll just be bopping around doing my thing when I'm not. Well, yeah, I've been you go Comic Con. Maybe a little. Yeah. There are friends to see who who always go and we don't see very often and that sort of thing. And uh, then we will come. We will be at Worldcon. Um, Worldcon in Dublin, yes. Which uh, I don't think I'm on any panels, but you no. know. And then Bubonicon. Bubonicon, and Bubonicon. I will be on a bunch of panels there. Yes. Uh, the Bubonicon is in Albuquerque. And then we're Great done for con. the summer. Yes. And then we are done, and I am clinging to the bed and not <laughs> leaving. I will still have one other uh, convention to go to, but it's more for a business meeting. For the Dorsai regulars, then for the, you know, to be on panels. I may be on panels. I just have to firm up if that's the convention we're actually doing it at. August is the seventh month? Eighth month? Eighth month. I will have four months to finish a book at that point. Oh, yeah. You're just done. Yeah, like, I, I have, no, I like, I owe Tor a book. Yeah. Which is only 30,000 words done, which I haven't touched because I've been editing a bunch of other stuff. Right, so right. I am basically going to come home and be like, oh, holy God, I got to write a novel right now. So I'll just shove, I'll just shove you out towards the coffee shop. Yes. When you get up in the morning. And then when you get back from that, we'll put you in for a nap. And then I'll just shove food under the door of, of your office. studio, yes. Yeah. And, and listen for the screaming. Yeah. You know, and honestly, that's kind of my ideal working conditions. Yeah. Not the super tight deadline, but the I don't have to do anything. I don't have to go anywhere. I have a clear-cut goal. I can just do the thing, and no one expects me to be anywhere doing anything except doing that thing. Just that one thing. Yes. Yes. Well, and like 20 other things, but like, you know. The primary thing is getting the novel. Yeah. Okay. So that's us, guys. I hope you've had a relatively productive last week, and now... I got a chance to talk to Professor Michael Gray. And I mean, technically, I don't think he's full professor. There was a whole lot of discussion about how that works, but he's doing really cool stuff. He is a scientist doing actual science in a university setting. It's really cool. And I think I have like this giant list of things from the discussion. So I'm going to turn it over to that. And then we'll talk some more right after this.
hi folks. I am here today with Michael, who is going to tell us how he stays productive. Michael, can you introduce yourself a lot better than I just did and tell us a little <laughs> bit about what you do? Sure. Um, my name is Mike Gray. Um, I am an assistant professor of microbiology at the University of Alabama at Birmingham yeah. uh, in the School of Medicine. So I have been here about three and a half years, so I'm not exactly the new guy anymore, but still uh, new enough to not really know what I'm doing. Um, <laughs> I guess I should, I should start off with a disclaimer that all opinions are my own and do not reflect the uh, university, the department, or uh, anybody except me. It's um, important, important, especially, <laughs> you know, universities get touchy about that sometimes. They do, yeah. they do. Um, so... So I'm interested in the, the, the research that I do. I study the molecular mechanisms of how bacteria sense and respond to changes in their environment. So we're mostly focused on understanding how E. coli and other bacteria that live in the gut respond to inflammation to try and understand how that uh, interaction works on a kind of molecular level. Okay, that's really cool. Hey, it keeps me off the streets. That's, that's yeah, okay. Um, so let me now. I'm digesting that, and also this is the first <laughs> interview I've done since we got back from Tibet. So I may, I may still be a little off. It's cool. I, it's cool. I, I trust that the trip was a big success. It it was, and uh, we we will be talking more and more about it. Uh, actually, have I'm, talked by the time this this goes live. Have talked about it. I'm sure by now. I'm sure. Um. All right, so you, I guess that means you teach, you experiment, you because yeah, professor makes the uh, makes the theoretical guess that you teach. Um, yeah, well, well, I, I mean, so so in fact, mm -hmm. uh, so I'm the head of a small lab group. Mm -hmm. uh, right now, I have two graduate students, mm -hmm. a staff scientist, uh, two undergrads, and a part-time technician, and uh, I spend about half of my time doing experiments at the lab bench. Mm -hmm. And about half of my time doing everything else, which is teaching and writing and mentoring and managing and administrating the lab and all the other stuff that needs to get done. So, um, so I try to protect that time spent experimenting, right? Because right. that's the part that I really enjoy, uh, <laughs> while also managing to to. Um, to do all of the other stuff that has to get done. Yeah. Yeah. So that leads right into the next question. How do you keep all that organized? So this is, so this question right here is something where your podcast has been very helpful to me. Ah, uh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> because listening to people talk about how organ how they keep themselves organized has got me mm -hmm. thinking over the last what's it been two years it's it'll oh. be yeah it'll, it's uh two years um this june yeah congratulations mm -hmm. thank you um but uh about what i do mm -hmm. and why i do it because i have all of these systems that i've put in place over the last however many years I've been doing this research right. kind of job. Um, but listening to people talk about 
how they keep themselves organized in different fields and in different areas has been really helpful for categorizing what I do and thinking about why it works right. for me. Right. Right. Cause I mean, I like thinking about process mm -hmm. and this has given me a really interesting framework to do that. So what I realized mm -hmm. is that everything I do and we're going to, uh, the, the, there's a lot of it's systems all the way down. <laughs> yeah. So, but everything I do, is a form of weaponized laziness. Okay. Or, or uh, because here's the thing. I really like getting stuff done. But I'm also really lazy. So all of my systems have to do with making that work. See, I'm surprised you didn't end up in system administration. <laughs> Well, I, I, uh, we'll see how you feel about that after I go through my system. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, it, it, it's kind of applied sloth, right? Right. What you have to do is you have to put in the work up front so that future me doesn't have to work very hard. Okay, okay. Right? And that's the key, right? Is setting things up ahead of time. So that when it comes time to do things, they're not very hard. Right? Because right. doing my job isn't hard work. I like my job. What's hard work is dealing with crises. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. When everything's going wrong and the deadline is like now, everything I do is set up <laughs> to prevent that. Right. Okay. And in a, in a very related kind of way, when I'm thinking about what experiments I want to do for any given kind of scientific problem, the question becomes, what can I do that will give me the most information mm -hmm. for the least amount of work? Okay. Right. And, and it comes down to optimizing use of your time. Right, because sometimes you just have to brute force a thing, and I'm there's aware. no way around. Yeah. <laughs> but that's not always true, and I try to kind of optimize my limited time for doing things that are gonna um, yield the most return. Gotcha. Right, right. and and yeah, you, and you can't do that if you're constantly panicked. Oh yeah, or I can. Right. Well, I know people who yeah. who who love working to deadlines and and need a deadline to get motivated. Mm -hmm. I am the absolute opposite. <laughs> Cannot do it. The deadline uh, just makes it worse. Oh yeah, the anxiety right. becomes unbearable. Right. Right. Can't handle it. So I, I do an awful lot to prevent that. Okay. I think I think I think at this point we transition to systems because everything else is systems. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I think uh, uh, that does transition right to what systems and habits are valuable. Yeah. So, right. and here, I want to divide it into two things, two categories. Um, 
One is the one that's been much harder for me, Mm -hmm. which is systems for keeping the lab organized. Because I am not trained as a manager. I am trained as a microbiologist. (laughs) So uh, you you, you get yourself a faculty job, and you walk in, and you have an empty room. Mm-hmm. And the ten-year clock starts ticking, <laughs> right? <laughs> and and so you have to figure out how to turn that empty room into a a, a functioning scientific operation. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a million ways that that can be done, and everybody <laughs> just says, "Run your lab how you like." So you get to decide how everything is going to work. Right. But that means that you have to decide how everything is going to work. <laughs> Which. Um, and they don't tell you this, right? No, I mean, no, of course. I mean, it's like uh, every other man. Uh, well, at least most recently, every other management job out there where they're like, you're really good at what you do. You should be a manager now. Right. Yeah. It's, it's essentially that same kind of yeah. uh, dynamic and and you're going but i don't i'm really good at my job i don't know how to manage these other things but i i can do this uh, but no no you're you're management now you have to you're really good at being a technician or a microbiologist so now we're going to put you in charge of people because obviously you know how to make them work better and yeah no yeah so so i mean we'll we'll go more in into this kind of how the approach i've taken but like i said um I'm pretty aggressively protecting my own experiment time, mm-hmm. which is an unusual approach for someone in my position. Right. But, right. Um, but it's important to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in any case, when presented with that problem, I sat down and tried to, to plan ahead <laughs> enough to, to, set things up in a way that would make life easier for me right. now and down the road and, and, and so forth. So I've had a lot of examples of labs I've worked in that have been run in different ways. Okay. And some of them uh, have elements that are, are great examples. And some of them had elements that are terrible warnings. And I tried to take both of those into account uh, <laughs> when, when doing this. So, I didn't want anyone to ever have to waste a day looking for things. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah. That's the worst, right? Like that you know you have, mm-hmm. but you don't know where they are. Or, I mean, whether that's physical things or pieces of information, mm-hmm. whatever it is. I have wasted a lot of time hunting for stuff, and I hate it. so i tried to think how can i how can i make sure that that never happens and how can and how can we have a consistent system of record keeping for everything we have that's going to be expandable over the 30 to 40 year lifespan of a research enterprise that is that is what one hopes it to be. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, right. I mean, if I don't get hit by a bus or whatever. Right. Um, 
So, and, and, and all of it is to try and, and create an environment where people can succeed. Okay. Right. Yeah. And that, that's what I'm trying to do. And whether I'm succeeding, I don't know, <laughs> but I am doing my best. Yeah. Um, because as you said, I'm not trained as a manager, so I'm having to kind of wing it here. Mm-hmm. And uh, you've you've mentioned some good resources uh, on this podcast, which I have leaned on. But okay. um, yeah, I'm glad we can help. I mean, you know, oh, it's been great. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the first thing I did was I bought a database. Okay, which one? Um, so it is a customized database made by a guy named Steve Giles, who runs a, a company called Big Rose Studios, and what he does well what he he was a graduate student getting a and he has a phd in microbiology and while he was a graduate student he made a database for the lab that he worked in and realized that he could make more money making bespoke databases for scientists and microbiologists in particular than he could working as a microbiologist and he does a (laughs) really good job um so it is a database that is I, i don't know what the back end is Right, I have right. no idea. It's it's it, it's run through my website. There's a lab only button that you click, and there there you go, and there it's all go, in yeah. there. Um, but uh, it's designed by a microbiologist for a microbiologist. So, and he customized it to my needs and stuff. So, it has everything in there that mm-hmm. we need. So, bacterial strains. DNA constructs, proteins, all all the information you would want interlinked in a way where you can click through and find the relationships between different things that people have built over the years and protocols and other kinds of documents that are useful. So it's all in one place, in one format, easily accessible, and you never have to go digging mm-hmm. to find that information because it's right there. You just have to make sure the backups uh, are good oh, yeah. and that you update regularly so it doesn't become old, crusty, and inaccessible. Well, that I'm not sure I'm doing, but um, <laughs> it is backed up. Uh, I, should talk to, I should talk to Steve about crustiness. Yeah. Um, I, I, you'd know far more about that kind of thing than I do. Um, yeah, nothing, right now- nothing beats a system upgrade where you're like, all right, now let's install the database. And the database goes, I don't know what you're talking about. Now you're like, oh, I should have, I need to upgrade and pay all this money to fix it so that it actually runs on the new one. And yeah. Well, uh, now you're making me nervous. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but so far, so good. And right. it's uh, definitely the best, the, the best uh, chunk of money I have spent so far. Right, right. Um, and linked to that database and mm-hmm. to another uh, system that my staff scientist set up for ordering, <laughs> which is uh, just a really good Google Doc of mm-hmm. everything we've ever bought and what it is and its catalog number and how much it costs and what ca- what account number we use and all that kind of stuff. Um, every drawer and every shelf in the lab out there mm-hmm. is labeled with a number and in the database and in the ordering spreadsheet there's that number is so if you say oh well i know we ordered these centrifuge filters right okay well uh mike unpacked those and put them on shelf b5 s2 
and then you can go over there and you know right where that is, mm -hmm. right? Um, rather than just having everything sort of stuffed into a drawer wherever it would fit um, or was convenient to the person who was using it 10 years ago, which is the more common system. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's turned out okay. Now, do, do you keep inventory control? So if Steve takes out the next to last one, you know what that count is and it's time to order? No. Uh, that would be... That would probably be useful, but given that there are five of us, roughly, um, it's probably not worth the administrative overhead. Right. It's just when something runs low... Uh, Everyone, there is an understanding that I have tried to make clear that when something <laughs> runs low, put it on the order sheet. Um, and when that doesn't happen, I send a, a snarky email to the group and say, please don't let that happen again. Yeah. yeah. But so far, so good. People are pretty good about that. Okay. Excellent. Yeah. I mean, you set expectations, right? Mm -hmm. People rise to your expectations, in my experience. Um, One hopes. <laughs> but. Uh, and then there's a few other things that we that I I do to try to set mm -hmm. the place up so that people don't have to deal with a lot of chaos. Okay. Right. Which is again the same idea of setting people up to succeed, trying to create an environment where people can work effectively. Right. So uh, I mentioned I have a part-time technician, so mm -hmm. she works part-time for me and part-time for the lab down the hall, and she does. Uh, Glassware, cleaning, media preparation, stock supplies, stock solutions. She keeps everything like that um, prepared and supplied. Um, and uh, she is she is by far the most important person in this whole operation. Um, <laughs> well, hey, she's every, very every professional lab is a good and very reliable. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah and I mean, I, and we can absolutely count on those things being right. Mm-hmm. And that is worth uh, that. That role is served by work study undergraduate students in a lot of labs mm -hmm. who are great and cheap, mm -hmm. but not reliable. Yeah. So having someone who is a professional mm -hmm. do those tasks means that we never have, for example, mm -hmm. a week's experiments fail because the student doesn't know the difference between glucose and glycerol. And that's a pretty big difference. It is. Yeah. I mean, they both start with G. Yeah, but that's, yeah, <laughs> no. It's... So, so that was, that, so uh, she, she's, she's a really important member of this operation. Yeah, I'm guessing. <laughs> um, so, so that that's the kind of thing I've tried to do mm -hmm. um, is to try to reduce the overhead for people to just have to kind of worry about stuff. Right, right. Um, and and there's a, a standardized like the database sets up like there's a standardized system of note keeping for these important objects or intellectual property. I guess is sort of a way you could refer. Yeah, to it. yeah. And thing, but where that information is in a particular format in a particular place. So everybody's notes for those objects is at a particular standard. Right. And right. 
and that means you don't have to go through and and say, well, why he took these notes completely different from these other people, so now I have to decipher them, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, and there's always going to be some of that, but I'm trying to minimize it. Right. Right. Um, I also try to have relatively few formal meetings. So this was something that this is tricky, right? Right. Because I'm supposed to be the boss. <laughs> so I'm supposed to be keeping track of what everybody is doing. And I've seen that degenerate into a, a situation with far too many meetings where everybody is in meetings all the time and nobody can get any work done. Yeah. But it's also bad if you're never communicating with people. Mm-hmm. So the compromise I have reached right at the moment is that I'm in the lab all the time, 50% of my time, like I said. Okay. So I talk to people, and and we're a small group, right? So I can talk to everybody regularly, one-on-one, and just say, hey, how's it going? Yeah. What you been up to? And you know what's going on kind of a, at all times without having to, like, bug people. Right? Yeah. 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 Um, and that we do have formal lab meetings Every two weeks, mm. we sit down for an hour and go around the table and say, here's what I've done in the last two weeks. And that helps get um, uh, make sure that everybody besides me knows <laughs> what everybody else is doing. Right. Because right, that right. gets a, a discussion going. The more the more brains on a problem, the more likely you are to come up with a solution. Right. 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 So so that's that's gone pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um and then the last thing that's for systems for keeping trying to keep the lab organized and productive and on track is something that I never used to do, but which your podcast recommends <laughs> somebody. I have no recollection whatsoever which episode this was <laughs> or, or that I got this from. But I started doing every two months, mm-hmm. I sit down with everybody and we set up and I do this for myself as well. What are your the milestones that you want to achieve for the next two months, right? Okay. And how are you going to do, and in a in a kind of formal way, right? Um, and then we can, and then every two months, you know, we meet, we sit down, and mm-hmm. we say, okay, what were your milestones for last month? Mm-hmm. Did you meet? If not, why not? If you did, great. What are you going to do for the next two months? And that's that has I've been doing that for. Six months, maybe now, mm-hmm. maybe eight in that range, um, and I think I think it's working well. I think it's helping, kind of helping people plan out and and get realistic assessments of what they can achieve. Yeah, uh, and it's good to review like that on a regular basis anyway to make sure you're doing the right things. Yeah, and and one thing that that's perhaps notable here for this particular kind of environment, right? Uh, an academic research lab mm-hmm. is that nearly everybody here is a graduate student, right? right? They are students. They are learning, right? So in my lab, the students have largely independent projects, where there's very little overlap in what they're doing. Okay. And that 
that comes down to my opinion of what a PhD means, which is that you can take intellectual ownership of the scientific problem and carry it through to a solution. Gotcha. Gotcha. It's not um, like the PhDs you're generating are just extensions of your own because they're all doing your experiments for you. Right. And I, right. yeah, and I don't mm -hmm. think that's, I don't think that's what a PhD should mean. Right. That might, there's lots of opinions on these things. <laughs> um, but, but what it means is that, that I think it's important to give everybody a chance to drive their own project and to, to set those milestones themselves rather than having them necessarily be externally applied by me. And I mean, I, my, my role is guidance and like, well, that's not going to lead us towards a paper. So let's, let's take this towards a more publishable direction. Um, but, but I, so here's the thing. <laughs> I have never in my life wanted to be in charge of anything except myself. Okay. <laughs> right. That is what I want out of life. <laughs> and now that's not possible, right? right? In order in order to have independence, you have the the the, the job I have requires mentoring having a lab group and they are terrific. They are mm -hmm. great. But again, I want them to be independent, more, more, uh, partners than, than lackeys. Right. Right. So, so I try to set things up in a way where that can happen. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and there's this constant, tug of war between micromanaging and not managing, which is definitely a work in progress. And I, I you know, the balance is really hard. Yeah. And I've, I've seen that happen in other environments too. Um, <clears throat> but you also, and we haven't gotten to this part yet, but you also have pressures from outside the lab that are going to impact that. Oh, they absolutely true. Yeah. A hundred percent true. And, um, so far, so good. Mm -hmm. But <laughs> we'll see. Like I said, I'm I'm uh, I've only been here a little while. Right. But right. It's going okay. Mm -hmm. um, oh, goody! Torty has decided that Ursula is not here, and so she must wander the house crying, probably carrying a stuffed animal. So please ignore the cat noises to go with the baby chicken noises. That is far <laughs> more entertaining than the the. Uh, and I'm, I'm hoping because of this, uh, this. Uh, I'm hoping you're not able to hear the noise of, of lab equipment kind of squealing in the background through yours the door. Is, there. Yeah, yours is is I, either it's because your microphone isn't as sensitive or whatever. I, I'm not I'm not picking any of that up. But I know people are going to listen. And say, are those is that is that cheeping in the background? Is there a cat <laughs> in the background? Every so often, the new rooster is, you know, uh, expressing his displeasure. I'm like, man, I hope. That isn't too distracting for the listeners. It's not yeah. distracting me, but uh, well, okay then, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, it's downright peaceful. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so so that's that's systems for keeping the lab organized, right? And that's that's all stuff that's new that is not very not particularly refined because I've just sort of established, it. right, right, and we're seeing how it works. 
the much more refined and and baroque system is the way I keep myself organized. <laughs> is it is it is it is it baroque and bespoke at the same time? Absolutely. All right then. This so I started working in the lab in a, a science lab. Mm-hmm. As an 18-year-old dishwasher, <laughs> <laughs> which was uh, and then and, and transitioned over that next year or so to doing a little bit of, of actual research work. Mm-hmm. So, so I have been working in one capacity or another as a scientist for over 20 years, and that has led to a a system I use to keep myself organized and on track that works really well for me, mm-hmm. but may not make the least bit of sense to anybody else. <laughs> That's the best kind. So we'll see how this goes. Right. Um, and again, it, 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 it ties back into the idea. The reason I do it this way is because it saves me trouble down the road. Right. Right. Um, and it all starts from the idea of the lab notebook, right? okay. which is a record of what you've done in your experiments. Right? Um, the trick to a lab notebook is that you never know which piece of information is going to be important mm-hmm. or when, when it's going to be important. Right. So you need a record of the things you've done since forever. Right. With the ability to go back and say, okay, well, I did this 10 years ago. How exactly did I do so that? So that I can yeah. do it again. Oof. Um, and there's a lot of different formats that people keep lab notebooks in. Um, the classic is just sort of, paper notebooks, which uh, people just keep on a shelf and uh, are <laughs> chronological. Um, is is and... that what all the binders are behind you? Oh, heck no, no. We <laughs> haven't gotten to what the binders are yet. Oh, okay. <laughs> the binders are an entirely different system. Um, I do not keep a paper lab notebook. I keep a, uh, a digital lab notebook. Mm-hmm. Um, so the advantage of paper mm-hmm. is that it, it lasts forever. And there are no, never any compatibility issues with the technology. Very true. Unless you are tasked with reproducing experiments from somebody who kept their lab notebook in French. Ask me how I know. Uh, yeah. um, <laughs> but um, once, I, once I remembered or figured out that DNA mm. in French is ADN, I was all right. <laughs> yes. Uh, okay. But, uh, but yeah, so... So there's a lot of different ways you could keep um, those kinds of records digitally. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly there are plenty of companies that will sell you some kind of specialized lab notebook software. Oh, yeah. Most of them are cloud-based something, 
which is fine. And yeah, I've looked at some of those, and they have a lot of really nice features. Mm-hmm. But I don't believe that I'll still be able to access that information in five years. There is, um, I mean, it's a concern. That's, again, why you have backups, why you make sure mm-hmm. they're good, why you, yeah. Right, but yeah. a lot of them are, are you know, uh, proprietary file formats. Oh, yeah. And mm, um, in 15 years, mm-hmm. will I be able to see those data? No idea. Nobody knows, yeah. Nobody knows, so I don't trust them. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people use Evernote. Yep, very popular. Which I have, I have the same problem. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I have is I have a whole lot of word documents because <laughs> I'm pretty sure that the dot docx format is going to be readable for a long time. Yes and no. Cause I'll, uh, I, I, I tell you what, learning things yeah, <laughs> like docx is, is the big one and it's reasonably standard and lots of things read it now, but 20 years ago, word perfect was the standard. You know, or even, uh, oh God, 20 years ago. Hold on, mathing. <laughs> um, yeah, so like, yeah, Office, um, well, Office 97, right? Office 95, Word format. It is really hard now to find things to be able to read those documents. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, I have taken some old mm-hmm. notebook files and uh, converted them to PDFs, which mm-hmm. is probably more stable. But um, I mean, the 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 best way I've ever seen is you've got the digital files and you've got a hard copy off to, off to the side. But Fair enough. Yeah. I, I've yeah. also done that at some some points. I don't mm-hmm. have that for the current uh, mm-hmm. set of experiments. But it's, anyway, it's all backed up, same same backup system as the database. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's divided. So there's an, exper- there's an index, mm-hmm. uh, which is an Excel file. Um, and so each project that started in a particular year gets, mm-hmm. you know, a number that is, say, 2019.1. Right. And then each sort of sub-project within that gets, you know, 2019.1.1, 2019.1.2. And each of those is some kind of relatively small, achievable block of right, stuff. Right, And some of those stretch out into hundreds of pages and some of them I do three pages worth of stuff and it turns out to have been a dumb idea and I put it away. Right. You just put dead end on that one and then you go back so that when you're like, you know, this seems familiar, but I want to try to, oh, never mind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. And and the key thing for me, mm-hmm. the, the, the single most enormous advantage of having them digital rather than paper is that I can search. Oh, God, yes. Right? Because if everything's just chronologically in a paper notebook, yeah, I'd never see it again. Or I wouldn't. Yeah. So being able to search back through everything I've done here in the last three and a half years and everything I did and related stuff in the my postdoc for the five and a half years before that mm-hmm. and just be able to go what have i done with that strain and have it just come up yeah so that's key for me mm-hmm. um the within that then so now each each little project has an identifier 2019.1.2 yep so each raw data file that's associated with that project 
whatever format that might be in, whether it's an image or a, you know, a, a table of, of data or something, gets a letter. So 2019.1.3a and so on, right? So that then there's a, a folder of raw data files where you can go and you can just say, okay, well, here's the raw data. And you can analyze the, reanalyze that if you need to, whatever. Right. You, find, you find everything very systematically. Again, I don't want to ever have to go hunting for things. Or if you do, you want the machine to be able to do the heavy lifting. Absolutely, yeah. 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 And I probably should automate more things than I do, but my uh my programming chops are not spectacular. I uh, you've you I mean, you've pretty much done the bulk of it just by using the built-in search <laughs> and find functions in Word and Excel. Right? <laughs> They're pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Um and but, then there's you know, there's folders for active and inactive projects. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it doesn't get I don't want to have every – when I open up my lab notebook folder, I want to be just presented with the two or three things I'm currently working on and not everything I've done for the last eight years. Yeah, otherwise, I mean, a, that's why, you know, when you run out of the paper notebook, you put it on the shelf with a number on it and then you start a new one, right? Yeah, but yeah. I, I, use, I, uh, I don't use paper notes for much mm -hmm. of anything. Um, I don't use a paper planner. Um, yeah. We'll get into to that kind of stuff, but um, <laughs> I, I uh, generally don't like to carry a lot of stuff with me. That's fair. I'm yeah. going around, um, but that's me. I mean, the only reason I take paper notes when I'm doing these interviews is because it's really distracting for both you and the listeners. If, if I'm taking notes on the computer, it's clack, 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 clack. Oh yeah, no, that right. makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Um. So one thing I've started doing recently, mm -hmm. so that's, that's, that's the lab notebook structure. Right, right. And again, it's set up so that I don't have to look very hard to find things. Um, one thing I've started doing recently that's, that's tied into that milestone setting mm -hmm. um, that I was talking about um, is that that is, that also, I use that to structure my to-do list. So I have, for every two-month period, I have an Excel sheet that I've set up, which has a, a row for each day in those two months. And then mm -hmm. my milestone, my goals, I'm going to have you know, three or four things I want to accomplish in that time, right? Mm -hmm. So each of those goals gets a column in that spreadsheet so that each day that I can keep a running to-do list of what I've done and what I need to do on days running forward for different projects and different things. You know, like one of them, I mean, like I'm teaching a lot this month, so that's one of the columns. Right, right. Right. It's, yeah, I know I need to teach on these days, so don't plan too much else mm -hmm. there, right? And then, and that's, I, I used to just keep a running to-do list. I used the reminders app. Yeah. Right. Um, and it was just everything all together. And this I like better because it lets me separate out and see, okay, I'm working a lot on this, mm -hmm. but not so much on this. Right. And to decide whether that's 
actually what I want to be doing. Mm -hmm. And I suppose in principle, it also creates a record of what I've done. It does keep a to done list. Yeah. But I haven't actually looked at those (laughs) very much. (laughs) So perhaps that will become useful at some point. Right, right. That that has not historically been something I've spent a lot of time looking at, Mm -hmm. but, but it exists now. Right. which is more than I can say for the previous system. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's the core of it. Okay. Right. So that's, that's experiments mm-hmm. I mean, there. There's also, and that's sort of on the day to day level, but there is sort of a, a higher level planning process that has to go on which ties into what you were just saying about are you working on the right thing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right because you can look be looking at a day-to-day basis and like okay, i'm troubleshooting i'm troubleshooting i'm troubleshooting you can spend a lot of time fiddling with something to get it working and then at the end when you do get it working it ends up not being very interesting yeah you you pull back and you realize wow i spent a lot of time on something that didn't provide a lot of value right and right. that's you want to avoid that mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. um so i tend to think in terms of papers what's a, a publishable unit right mm-hmm. what, what would make for a, a a thing you can publish so you make a, you know some kind of discovery and then there's all the the I mean there's the exploratory phase where you're trying to figure out what's going on and oh then you find something that is actually interesting mm-hmm. and then you have to focus down and say okay well I'm going to do all of the work to establish that this is true and how it works right right, right. so there's this kind of uh, you start broad and then narrow down on a more specific question because that more specific that's how you publish things is you do the detail work on something specific. Right. Right. So I try to always be thinking about what story I'm telling. Right. Um, and how that is going to end up because, because the product of my work is not a physical object. It is a piece of information. Right. 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 So it's the difference between engineering and science. Right. Um, <laughs> engineers use knowledge to make stuff. Scientists use stuff to make knowledge. Okay, that's that's fair. That's fair. Um, <laughs> um, related. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, but uh, yeah. So so I always want to have in mind kind of what's the story? What's the mm-hmm. what's what's the new thing that is going to be important for everybody to know? Right. And have we really shown that that's what's going on? And if we haven't, what do we have to do to really test that idea? Yeah. Right. Um, and the the end result being hopefully a, a paper or an article that gets published, which makes the university happy, which means they keep giving you money. Well, uh, yes. I mean, it, it, it's a very large proportion of my money comes from the National Institutes of Health, so it's keeping right. them happy. Ah, uh, okay, yes. The yeah. key thing here. Um, but, uh, but yeah, the principle is mm-hmm. exactly right. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, so, but you never know 
when you're doing things necessarily what's gonna what pieces are gonna fit together into which mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. kind of into into which paper so i always try when i'm doing an experiment if it's something that i'm sure is good mm -hmm. right right even if i don't know how it's going to fit in I always try to finish that. You know, okay. Do three replicates, get the statistical mm -hmm. analysis done, make a publishable figure of those data, and set that aside. Okay. The same with method, and, and then write the methods section that describes exactly how that experiment was done, and set it aside. Even if I don't know what the paper is going to what the story is yet. Mm -hmm. What that does is it means I am never presented with the problem of coming back to something two years later and saying, I, that experiment I did two years ago fits beautifully into this story, but I only did it twice. Right. And now I have to set everything up again. Ooh. And hope that it all works the same and I can get the same supplies and, mm -hmm. right again applied sloth that's too much work <laughs> yeah right <laughs> do the work when you already have everything set up to do it mm -hmm. get it over with finish it and then go on because if you're gonna have to come back it's gonna be so much harder get it all set up again. Yeah, and that's when you discover that the one reagent or whatever is now in really, really short supply and oh, it's yeah, really, no, really expensive. No, stuff, yeah. stuff goes off the market, things change. Yep. Um, and stuff, I, I have definitely had situations where chemical, something about the chemical supply or manufacture changes, and you know, it's the same catalog number from the same company, but it doesn't act the same. Yeah. So uh, then you end up doing experiments to figure out why your experiments don't work. And that's not, that's... I mean, you spend a certain amount of time doing that, but <laughs> you'd rather not. Right, right. <laughs> um, the binders mm -hmm. are, full of, uh, are full of scientific papers. Okay. So I read a lot of papers. That's more of a habit than a system. Mm. Um, but... Uh, Science is fundamentally a creative endeavor. I think my my thought process and system fits it matches better with a lot of the artists that you've talked to yeah, than yeah. with tech people. Um, but I, I I consider science to be a fundamentally creative endeavor, right? So you're trying to creatively come up with solutions to problems, and if you don't know what's already known mm -hmm. you lose the space to be creative with it you have to know the you have to have the pieces of the puzzle to put it together right you have to have you know the more paint colors you have the more <laughs> interesting a painting you can you can make Maybe that's a terrible metaphor. I don't that, know anything that, about painting. That, that may be a little bit of a terrible metaphor because I've seen some really amazing things in just two colors, white and black, right? Okay. It's a terrible metaphor. Right. But, um, but uh, let's say um, mm -hmm. 
the the more different styles that you know, the more the more you know about perspective, and the more you the of those kinds of things you know, mm-hmm. the more tools you have, the bigger the spaces in which you can be creative. So I read a lot of papers, mm-hmm. and ones that I think are interesting and important to things I am working on get printed out and put in one of those three ring binders back there. And you have a lot Me. of them. I do. Yeah. Um, and the reason I print them out is because I've tried a couple of different PDF management systems for those kinds of things, and it just doesn't work for me. I, 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 I like yeah. to be able to have the paper. Mm-hmm. I retain it better. I can like spread five of them out on a table and look at them at once and scribble on them with a red pen. Mm-hmm. Um, I've just never really, I don't retain as much information when I read something off a screen as when I read it on a piece of paper. Which is kind of interesting since you don't write things down on paper. Everything gets written down into a screen. Ah, that, that's, that's stuff I did. Oh, okay. Okay. So I know a lot about it. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, and, yeah. and in fact, when I go back and read those things, I'm often not reading for detail. I'm skimming mm-hmm. until I find the particular thing I need to know. And then I go in deep. Right. 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 But for something that was done by somebody else, I need to read that in a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of people think my system of three ring binders is crazy. Um, but uh, the, I mean, the one disadvantage, of course, is that you can't search that. But in some ways, I think that is actually part of the strength, because while rooting through them to find something that I remember having seen, mm-hmm. I see all the other stuff that's there. Right, right. May remember or be reminded of something that I wouldn't necessarily have found if I had been laser targeted to where exactly what I was looking for. Right, right. Maybe that's a strength. I don't know. I, I don't know. It, 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 I mean, it, it varies. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So, wow. All right. So we've talked all about your work. What about when you're not work time? Um, uh, is there such a thing? <laughs> oh yes, absolutely. I have, I have a million hobbies, but productivity is not a consideration for any of them. Oh, all right then. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, the hobby time is, is, uh, the, the things I do for hobbies are there so that I don't have to worry about being good at them. Okay. I, do a lot of things. I play some musical instruments. I've mm-hmm. been getting into calligraphy lately. I, you know, there's a lot mm-hmm. of like fiddly little things where I just play around. Right. And, and it doesn't matter if I'm good at it. It doesn't matter if I'm productive. So I don't have to think about it. <laughs> that's, and that, yeah, that's fair. No, that's a great attitude to have about it. <laughs> well, I mean, it's an attitude I can have. Right. Right. As I I don't have I mean, you've talked to a lot of people who are making money off their hobbies or or have hobbies that they are. They are very focused on being something that has deadlines or Mm. or, I mean, your hobby podcasts come out at a particular time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I um, that one. I I think I've moved past hobbyist into semi pro. Yeah. but a hobby, I, I think uh, Ursula's definition of a hobby is something you spend money on and don't expect money in return. Yeah, no, they, that yeah. make 
that sounds exactly right to me. Yeah. And for me, mm-hmm. the relaxing part of the hobby is that I don't have to optimize the process. Right. So yeah, so maybe I have maybe I'll sit down and play the guitar for half an hour when I get home. Or maybe I won't. Meh. That's what I feel like. <laughs> if it's gonna make me happier to do it, great. All if right, it's not, yeah. eh, doesn't matter. And and this is kind of a side note, but just mm-hmm. in general, mm-hmm. the fun part of a hobby for me is that first little bit of learning a little bit <laughs> and getting okay. Mm-hmm. It's not the long, hard slog to mastery right. stage. So I am much more likely to get okay at a thing and then go do something else. <laughs> it's like, okay, yeah, this is all right. But now it's starting to get hard. Yep. That's not why I'm here. <laughs> Go somewhere else. And that's why they're hobbies and not what I do for a living. Right, 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 right. Okay. Um, uh, I do use Apple Calendar for scheduling stuff. Yeah. And that's nice because it I mean, for things that have a particular time that they need to happen. And that's nice because it syncs to the phone and I can look at that from anywhere. Yes. Uh, I don't use it in a particularly sophisticated way. There's occasional reminders for things like pay the mortgage. Um, (laughs) but, but, uh, that's, um, that's fairly straightforward and standard, I think. Right. Right. Yeah. Pretty Um, much. If if you have a phone and you have some sort of online calendar system, they just work together. It, it, yeah. I have my Android with Google Calendar that's on my laptops, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? So, yeah. 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 Uh, and I mean, and that's that's a really useful tool. Mm-hmm. I can't deny that. Okay. I have a few habits. Okay. And then we'll then we'll be out of this, this long, <laughs> this long. Yeah, thing. but it's a great discussion. I mean, you know. I'm glad you're having a good time. I'm having fun. Yeah. Um, so habits that that are useful to me. Mm-hmm. The first and most important one is something that I learned in the most useful class I ever took in college. Okay. Senior year, mm-hmm. second semester, I had no requirements left. So mm-hmm. I took a lot of things for fun. And among the things I took that semester were two classes about wine and <laughs> culinary arts for non-majors. Okay. The cooking class. Mm-hmm. And that class taught me more useful things than any other semester's worth of things that I have done in my entire life. But the habit, and this is very much a, a French cooking tradition kind of a, an idea, is mise en place. Oh, God, yes, I love it. Right, yeah, everything yep. in its place. Mm-hmm. And that encompasses the idea that everything has a place where it belongs. So again, you don't have to go looking for things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it, I implement it much more strictly at work than I never, you know. <laughs> I don't have that kind of authority at home. Um, but uh, I always know where my keys are because they're here in my pocket. <laughs> right, <laughs> So I don't waste a lot of time looking for my keys. Um, But it also encompasses the idea of if you're doing a 
a complex procedure. Prep everything ahead of time. In general, yeah. yeah. Make sure that your tools are taken care of Mm -hmm. and that they are in the right place and that you've laid out your workspace so that you're not reaching across to grab that that you're you're moving in an efficient way right um and this applies as much to bench work in the lab as it does to prep work in the kitchen oh yeah um it includes the idea of cleaning as you go right Mm -hmm. you know there's always downtime use that downtime to clean up prepare something for the next stage and those kinds of habits have just improved my productivity enormously. I can I can hear Dino cheering this on in my head right now. <laughs> I, I, can't, I didn't say I was original. Well, no, no, but it's <laughs> it is it is just this great habit to have, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really is. Um, I always make sure that any day's tasks are pre-planned. Okay, all right. Um, I the last thing I do on any given day is make the list of what's going to happen the next day um, so that no momentum is lost in the morning deciding what to do. I know what to do because I already thought about it. Right. And that ties into the... To the next question. That, well, well, it does. Yeah. But, <laughs> we'll get there. Yeah. We'll get there. Um, because... As you can see, I, the, mm-hmm. <laughs> going through this made me think a lot about what I do, right. and it's been a really interesting process to dissect it. Mm-hmm. I tend to overthink things. It's kind of an occupational habit. I was about to say, uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Can't imagine. Um, but th- th- this next one is more genetic than it is uh, process-oriented, which is I get up early. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah. I am only capable of thoughtful and creative work between 7 and 11 in the morning. All right. Well, then, yeah, you're, you're, and that's common, right? For, for the, uh, I'm, the I'm not sure because I, almost everybody I know is not that way. Um, mm. but, uh, it, it works out okay for me. Yeah. And I've learned to accept it, <laughs> uh, and, and to work with it. But um, it does mean I kind of crash out early at the end of the day. Yeah. No. Uh, no. I guess. I guess what I was. Uh, what I meant is that uh, you go through the all the blogs. You go through all the self help books. You 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 see the and I'm putting this in air quotes gurus and <laughs> thought leaders on this sort of thing. And every last one of them says, "Get up early because you do your best work first thing in the morning." Now. They do. They do. You and do. I do, but yeah. I don't think everybody does. I, I certainly don't, and I think there's a lot of time wasted by people forcing themselves into this I will wake up early and be productive thing when they're not suited to it. Um, but, you know, bravo you. You are now, I guess, the ideal candidate for every other productivity person out there who who has a blog to to talk about how successful you are because you get up early and do all these and things that's first not thing why right? um, <laughs> uh, trust me you you haven't seen me between the hours of one and three in the afternoon there's no productivity there um uh but but yeah so i don't want to waste creative productive right. time mm-hmm. deciding what to do 
Right. Right. Like making my list and figuring out what reagents I'm going to No, I want to jump right in and do things. Mm-hmm. I always do everything way early. I arrive places early. I submit things ahead of deadline. Mm-hmm. And that is because I'm leaving time for things to go wrong. Yeah. Again, preventing the crisis. Mm-hmm. If the worst thing in my day that happens is I arrive to an appointment 15 minutes early and I get have to spend 15 minutes reading the Murderbot diaries on my Kindle while I wait for the meeting to start. Good choice, by the way. <laughs> Just happens to be what I'm reading right now. Um, <laughs> but uh, again, the, the what makes life for me Mm-hmm. hard and difficult is that crisis moment where oh my god everything is going wrong and there's no time to fix it right so you know if i submit a grant three weeks ahead of time and the paperwork doesn't go through and the office of sponsored programs is like ah we can't submit this it's not a problem i walk down there and mm-hmm. i say okay what do you need? And it's right. fixed. Yeah. And if I had submitted it on the day it was due, <laughs> let me tell you, the NIH doesn't care. No. <laughs> They're not interested. They will uh, They will not give you the money. Yeah, and um, not getting the money is, is not good for uh, uh, assistant professor on tenure track. It's a bad career move for anybody. Yeah, really, really. <laughs> but but doing everything early also allows for something else, which is that it allows Benchley's law to work in my favor. I don't know. So Robert Robert Benchley was a humorist in the early 20th century. And in one of his essays, he wrote that any man can get any amount of work done as long as it's not the work he's supposed to be doing at the moment. Why, yes. I'm familiar I'm familiar with the principle, if not the exact quote. Right. So, if I'm doing everything early, then the fact that I'm working on something that isn't the main thing isn't a big deal because they're both due in three months. Right. <laughs> Before we got on the, the, the Skype here, I was working on a document I'm not going to need until August. Oh, because... there you go. Yeah. And, you know, maybe I won't get back to it again for another three weeks, but who cares? It's not due <laughs> till August. So that's, that's been helpful to me. And, to try and lower the amount of mm-hmm. stress and panic and reduce the amount of work I have to do. If right. only, if only emotional work. No. And that's, that's, that's still work. People don't want to admit it's work, but it's still work. Right. It's so hard. I mean, that's yeah. the hard stuff for me is coping with that kind of thing. And, and yeah, again, everything, all of this is meant to prevent that from happening. Right. Right. Um, <clears throat> And then I guess the the last habit that's worth mentioning is, and I didn't realize that this had a name until I listened to your podcast, oh, Inbox okay. Zero. Uh, <laughs> yes. I, have, I have always been made incredibly anxious by those red numbers next to my email app. So 
<laughs> so I, I always keep my email inbox empty, which means that uh, everything that comes in gets read and then sorted. Right. Um, uh, and there's, and I've implemented pretty robust spam filtering. You would, uh, I have separate email accounts for work and for home. Right. And boy, I, I tell you, since I got this job, the, uh, the amount of, of uh, spam in my work uh, email has, has gotten really, uh, really startling. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And some of it's really, every day I get a couple of invitations to be an honored speaker at a, uh, a air quotes, scientific conference somewhere, uh, very far away. Um, that, that obviously you need to pay the speaker fee for. Oh yes. yes. They're not, they're not real. No. Uh, and, but somebody must fall for it. Um, but yeah, anyway, there's a lot of that kind of thing. So, so robust spam filtering is, is a must. Oh yeah. But, uh, but yeah, no, they, um, I try to keep on top of my email. So that's a, I think that's a habit that reduces my anxiety and therefore improves my productivity. Yeah. And, and I found, um, either Gmail's new snooze function or, um, uh, I'm a same box user. I will pay them for this privilege, but the mm. bit where I can take something that I know is due, like the, the reminder note with your Skype ID in it. Right. Mm -hmm. I put that in the, um, in the same next, like it, first it was in the same next month. Cause we had started to talk about this before, like back in March sure. and I'm like, okay, uh, it's April, but I'm not going to be able to deal with this till May. So I put it in the next month folder so that it just, it pops back into my inbox on May 1st. Oh, that's neat. You know? And then I'm like, all right, now that was the one for the scheduling. So we did the, the schedule dance. And then I was like, okay, uh, now I don't need this one until Tuesday. So I put it in the same Tuesday folder and okay. Tuesday morning, boom, there's the email with your Skype ID. So I don't lose oh. it. Yeah, that's right. cool. No, that, that's yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a, that's much more sophisticated than anything that I've <laughs> I've tried. But it does sound it does sound cool. Yeah, it's 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 something I've I've started doing the last couple months, and it's been like, okay, here are things I know I need to keep track of. So here's a, a thing that will pop them back into my attention when I need them to be my attention, and not just sit there and weigh on me while I wait for it. Yeah. 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 No, that's. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'll yeah. have to look at that. Um. But yeah, I mean that that's that's pretty much it, and and there's there's a lot of of layers, I think, but mm -hmm. it all comes down to to a few just kind of simple ideas, I think. Yeah. All right. So now. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No, 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 I no, do, no. I do tend to kind of go on. No, no, no. I'm I'm just thinking. Okay, so now we can roll all the way back. To the discussion we're talking about pre-planning your day, how do you decide what to do first? That's easy. Mm -hmm. It's whatever's going to take the longest. Okay. That's a great way of doing it. So the thing about, and th this, this applies to experiments mostly, mm -hmm. um, but you can expand that. Most microbiology experiments have a fair amount of downtime in them. So, for example, mm -hmm. uh, a kind of standard procedure or experimental setup might you start the day before you inoculate an overnight culture, it grows, you come in in the morning, you subculture it into fresh media, let it grow for two hours, do some kind of treatment that takes like half an hour, let it grow for another two hours, harvest your samples, and then if you're feeling like you have enough energy, do the 
hour or two's worth of processing to turn those into data. Right. Okay. So, so in order to kind of maximize your productivity, you need to interlace Mm-hmm. procedures in a way where you can figure okay well while i'm doing the in the downtime for this mm-hmm. i can be doing these things and these days a lot of that is things that aren't experiments right. because i have a lot of other things i need to do um but we're having like a block of an hour of time is a useful thing mm-hmm. but even with experiments you can you can time it in such a way that you're running to Sometimes three things, <laughs> but, but what it means is that you need to start with the thing that's going to take the longest, right? Right. Because if you have a procedure that takes seven hours from start to finish and you don't get to it until 10 in the morning, oh yeah, you're not getting home. You're not, not until late. No, no. So And I don't like that. <laughs> so, so I look at whatever I've got scheduled for a particular day. Mm-hmm. And I always am looking at my calendar and, okay, there, there I have to teach between these hours, so I definitely can't plan anything to happen there. And right, right. There's a lot of, like, day-to-day sort of fiddling with the planning to get this right. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but in general, it's whatever's the longest, most complicated thing is the thing that's, that I start with immediately when I walk in the door. Because I want to get that off the road so that I have the momentum Mm -hmm. to carry me through. Right. To get it done. Mm -hmm. Because if it gets to the point where I'm going to be here until 8.30, I'm not even going to start. Because it's just demoralizing. Yeah, we'll just do that one tomorrow. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, And as I said before, I really have to avoid trying to do anything that requires thought between the hours of one and three in the afternoon. (laughs) That turns out badly. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And I I don't want to waste those productive hours in the morning on email or administrative stuff that doesn't require a lot of thinking. So it would be easy to come in with my cup of tea and sit down and run through my email. But Mm -hmm. then – then I've sat here right. without really doing anything. And you lose and the that, momentum. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, so that's how that decision gets made. Okay. All right. Well then, uh, that brings us to what is the best advice or feedback you've been given? Okay. So I've got a bunch of stuff here because I have been very lucky in my life and career to have a lot of very good mentors. And right? that's that's important and very valuable and very lucky. Oh, yes, absolutely. I mean, it is it's huge. Mm-hmm. Um and and they've I've gotten a lot of really good advice over the years. And some of these I remember who told me <laughs> and some of them I don't. But the first one mm-hmm. and kind of the, the one that 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 sort of drives what a lot of what I do um, is that if you want something done, do it yourself. Not Nobody just else done is right. Hmm? Not just done right, but if well, you want it done. If you want something done right, hire a professional. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
But if it's something you know how to do, and it's mm-hmm. important to you that it get done, mm-hmm. just do it. Don't wait around for somebody else to decide to do it or drop passive-aggressive hints that somebody ought to do whatever it is. Right. Um, just do it. And I mean, if it's not something you know how to do and you have the resources to motivate somebody with money to do it or use money to motivate somebody to do yeah, it, yeah. Uh, that is great. But nobody else is as invested in your problems as you are. Truth. Right? A lot of truth, yeah. So, so I mean, if if, if you want... If it's important to you that something get done, do it. Don't wait around. Just get it done. <laughs> Life is too short. All right. Sorry, so, I am, I am scribbling yeah. madly right now. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> take, take all the time you need. Um, the second one mm-hmm. comes from... One of the members of my dissertation committee when I was a graduate student, Gary Roberts. Um, so then this requires a little bit of a story. Okay. So I submitted my qualifying exam proposal, which mm-hmm. is basically a, uh, like a six-page grant proposal format thing, which says, this is what I propose to do for the rest of my PhD. Project. Okay. Okay, and that's kind of the... The, the qualifying exam is kind of the big uh, thing at the early stages of getting a PhD where it's like the make it or break it moment. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I gave copies of this document to all the members of my committee and asked them for their feedback. Okay. Right? So a couple of them got back to me. With, I mean, and, and you know, the, the official guidelines were that they had to get back to me within a month and a couple of them got back to me about a month later and a couple of them never got back to me at all. Mm. But, but Gary Mm -hmm. called me into his office the next morning (laughs) and sat down and he had read it Mm -hmm. in detail and it was covered in red ink and we talked through all the problems and boy, were there problems. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, but I asked, I, I said at the end of that meeting, thank you for getting this done so quickly. Mm-hmm. And he looked at me and he said, it's going to take me the same amount of time to do it now as it's going to take in a month. <laughs> and that stuck with me. No, not only did it, was it incredibly re- like, it was like he was definitely, he was respecting my time. Right. And energy because he knew I had put in enormous amounts of effort on this thing and was incredibly anxious about it. So the fact that he immediately read it in detail was great. Right. Because it showed that he was respecting the work I had put into it. But also it meant that now he didn't have to worry about it anymore. It was it was done. It was off his plate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that <clears throat> I mean, it ties into a lot of what I talked about before, mm-hmm. but uh, that 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 stuck with me. Right. The other two things that I I want that I think are important here are things that I, I 
kind of family wisdom passed down from my dad, <laughs> who is a, a, a philosopher of a certain variety. Um, um, so this is, so my dad says that his dad always used to say, never make the same stupid mistake twice. Okay. Which my dad um, reworked into the, the Gray family motto, which mm-hmm. is new and better stupid mistakes. Oh no, that's 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 fair. I I hate that when I make the same mistake twice or three times. I I try really hard not to do that myself because you're going to make stupid mistakes, but right, at least right, make right. new, more exciting stupid mistakes. Different ones. If you're making the same mistake over and over again, people are like, "What is wrong with him?" But right? um yeah, my, my contribution to that process was I went to a, a Latin language discussion forum on the internet, side note, a very silly place, and mm-hmm. got that translated, and that's up on the on the board back there. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to pronounce this right, but uh, no, right. Nova Melioraqua Rata Stulta. <laughs> New and better stupid mistakes. I'm going to get that engraved on something someday. On something, yes. <laughs> More seriously, though, and more abstractly, I mm-hmm. guess. Something I learned from my dad is that you define what success means to you. And yes. you don't have to, it doesn't have to be the same definition that everyone else uses. Um, and Ambition can be a very personal definition, right? So my dad is a retired dentist. And now a lot of dentists work really, really hard and make an enormous amount of money. Yes. My dad, I can never remember him working more than three and a half days a week. He calls it subsistence dentistry. <laughs> he did as much dentistry as he had to to survive. That's fair. And that's because what success means to him is not having the largest pile of money. What success meant to him was having time to putter around in the garden and right. spend time with the family and do all these other things that he wanted to do. And yeah, I mean, all of his peers, the other dentists, thought mm-hmm. he's nuts. But that is not the lesson. The, the lesson is that that is an incredible way mm-hmm. to live your life. You define what success means to you. Now, I suffer from the curse of genuinely loving what I do for a living. <laughs> so I work way too much. So so you 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 are proof to the lie that if you do what you love you'll never work a day in your life. No, you will work all the time. So you've seen this in action. I, uh, yes. Yes, I have. <laughs> yeah. So that so that's but but in academia. So academia mm-hmm. has a lot of systemic problems that is a very gentle way of putting it but yes why is it worth the headache to me Mm -hmm. 
The important thing to me is independence. I get to do what I want to do. Right? Right. I get to work on the projects that I think are interesting. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I have a boss. There's a department chair. I meet with her once a year to make sure that I'm like publishing papers and getting grants mm-hmm. and haven't done anything horrible. But as long as I don't do those things, <laughs> um, as, as long as I meet those, those, those markers, right. I, nobody keeps track of me very much. And that's what success means to me mm-hmm. is that I get to spend my time working on the things that I think are interesting. Right. And academia is the place where I can do that. Mm-hmm. Right. So a lot of my peers, as I said, mm-hmm. stop doing experiments. They become managers. They spend a lot of time doing, um, you know, instructing graduate students what to do. They spend a lot of time teaching. I teach a bunch, but um, they they will get involved in uh, service stuff like the faculty mm-hmm. senate and all these kinds of of non research activities. And they will they will spend all their time, you know, writing grants to get more and more money to get bigger and bigger labs that do more and more stuff with more and more people. Right. And that's great. But it's not what I want. So what success means to me, and luckily there's a long tradition of academics being idiosyncratic weirdos. So nobody gives me too hard a time about it. (laughs) Um, But thinking about it, I'm like, well, I don't have to do it the way that everybody else does it. Mm -hmm. Because that's not necessarily what success means to me and again that ties this is not something my dad ever said to or expressed to me in any kind of philosophical way but just lived example right Mm -hmm. yeah yeah where it's something i tremendously respect and i think is an important lesson that that it's your life make the goals your goals yeah no absolutely so that's the that's what i'm trying to do Uh, scribble 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 (laughs) as i hear the dogs running around uh (laughs) the house We'll we'll see if if this one I'm able to read later, but that's that's why I often listen to these a second time when I'm going through and I'm putting together the links and all that stuff is because I look at my notes and I'll go, what what is that that I just wrote down there? It's it's smug. I've been trying to improve my handwriting yeah. lately. It's, it's it's an uphill battle. It's 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 one of those things where I can read it and that's sort of important, but if somebody else needed to read it, it may be a problem. When I can't read it, then it's a problem. <laughs> yeah, um, no, no question. Yeah, yeah. All right. Do you want to deal with the happy but difficult, or the uh, or so I've been told the happy but difficult <laughs> question, or the sad but easy question first? Let's talk about failure. Let's first. talk about failure first. All right. So, how do you deal with failure, or when you miss that milestone or a goal or something like that? I mean, the flippant answer is that I feel bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, 
really, it, it depends on the goal, right? Okay. Um, what have I failed at? Right. Um, on a on a kind of a, a smaller scale, I mean, science is ninety five percent failure. Yeah. Uh, most of your ideas are wrong. Mm-hmm. That's the nature of the business. Um, I mean, you, you come up with a beautiful idea that explains everything, and then you test it, and it's wrong. Yeah. So you throw it away, and you come up with another idea. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> if you get too attached to your ideas, you're in trouble in this business. Right, right. Um, it's a danger because it's mm-hmm. a very natural human tendency to like your own ideas. Um, experiments are tricky. If we knew how any of this stuff worked, we wouldn't have to do it. Um, so, so those kinds of failures where, where it's just, I was wrong about something that doesn't bother me at all. Right. Technical failures where either I screwed something up or the machine broke or something along those lines. That's frustrating. That drives me up the wall, but you know, there's, nothing to be done about it except to do it again. Right. Um, Larger scale failures are harder, right? right? Get a paper rejected, Mm -hmm. get a grant rejected, (laughs) you know, um, something along those lines or, you know, a, a student doesn't succeed that you were trying to help or right. that, the, <laughs> that you've been, uh, you feel, I feel responsible for, for students success, mm-hmm. the students in my lab, the students in the classes that I teach. Mm-hmm. And when one of them doesn't do well, I feel responsible for that. And that, that those are bigger failures. Right. And right. that's, that's a lot harder, mm-hmm. uh, to deal with. Um, And in a lot of cases, I mean, just kind of grinding persistence of, well, we're going to do this again. We're going to rewrite the thing and submit mm-hmm. it again. And, and that's, yeah. <laughs> I don't know that that's the healthiest approach, but it's the approach that I have taken. Right. Um, again, another thing my grandfather apparently used to say is you can only go forward. Uh, Luke Cage, always forward, never back. <laughs> right thinking about my grandfather and luke cage is a funny <laughs> um okay fair fair but uh <laughs> no the, but yeah right so right. I, I guess you it's always demoralizing mm-hmm. right but what i try is to not stop is to try again yep um just keep going mm-hmm. and that's that can be really hard right oh yeah but but uh what else is there to do all right let's flip that coin over do you celebrate your successes and if so how yeah um <laughs> success is its own reward mostly I'm going to um, give you the you, look that everybody gives me when I say something like that. They're like, you're full. No, I'm kidding. Oh, it is. <laughs> I mean, it feels really good to accomplish something, right? I mean, a typical, um, mm-hmm. paper, 
right. is at least a year's worth of work okay. from several different people. So getting that published mm-hmm. is a significant achievement. And it feels great. Like, yeah. yeah, we got it done. Now we can go on to the next thing, and that's great. Because, mm-hmm. um, I mean, it's a lot of work. Yeah. And sometimes it's, it's more than that. I mean, some, some papers end up being just tremendously many years. And it, it, it finally comes together. Mm-hmm. But even just like a, you know, a single experiment works, and it's clean, and the interpretation is, uh, boy, that's great. And you can do it three times in a row, with, and it does the same <laughs> thing every time. Yes, boy, yeah. th- I wish that happened more. Often. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, no, like mm-hmm. I said, 90, 95% of the stuff that we do in this business mm-hmm. is going to fail. Right. Not going to work at some mm-hmm. level. So when you get something that works, it feels great. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll treat myself for, for, for things that are like when I got my grant, mm-hmm. I went out for a nice dinner. You know, All right. So I'll treat myself to like, and by a nice dinner, I mean like, uh, the burger place down the road. So I'm not, I'm not a very fancy guy, but, mm-hmm. uh, but you know, I'll go uh, get myself a cocktail or something. Um, but you know, nothing, nothing too extravagant. Yeah, I know yeah. people who really go overboard, but doesn't. Eh, I don't. I don't need that. Um, what I think is actually more important, mm-hmm. and especially now, is to celebrate other people's successes. Um, I don't. I don't like making as big a deal about what I've done, because it feels like bragging. But for the <laughs> people who are my students, for example, when they succeed at something and accomplish something, I try to make a really big deal about that because that's, that's great. You know, I've, mm-hmm. I've been around for a little while. I've accomplished stuff. Nobody's going to give me a hard time too much, but you know, the students, I, I feel like it's important for that. They recognize that, that they've genuinely done something great. And that is part of my job to celebrate that. So, so I put more, more emphasis on that. So you take them to the fancy burger place. Well, I mean, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pizza for everyone. There you go. Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, we're we're. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but I, I really. That's pretty much it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm finding the more I work with other people, the more I've done with either project management or as a parent or whatever that yeah, no, that that really does become true after a while. I can go side. Yeah, no. I'm theoretically supposed to be successful, but uh, you know, it's it isn't as rewarding for me to say, yeah, I I just released podcast 100. I'm going to go out and have a fancy dinner as it is to say um you know, hey, Ursula just sold a new book, so I'm going to go buy her something nice. Or, yeah, you yeah. know, my, my kid's on the AB honor roll. 
Congratulations. If, well, that was last semester. I don't know about this semester yet. <laughs> well, congratulations to him anyway. Yeah, congratulations. But that's just it. Like, you know, uh, finding that thing to reward him for his hard work versus like, yeah, no, of course I'm rewarding myself for my hard work. I worked hard. But as I get older, a lot of times those rewards are not – the traditional rewards aren't aren't satisfying. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. But rewarding somebody else, man, that feels so great. Right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Especially if it's something that you had some role in helping mm-hmm. with. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because then, you've, I mean, there's, yeah. That, anyway. anyway. But, yeah. Uh, you know where I'm coming from. I, I know where you're going with that. There's, there's a lot of philosophy and, and stuff that goes <laughs> on in there. All right, so... Now that people are screaming in the comments probably at this point, no, I want you to talk about this. We could always come back and talk about that later. Um, <laughs> is there anything you want to share with us? You know, what's your SoundCloud link? I'm kidding. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> well, if, if people are interested in what we do mm-hmm. here in the lab, um, you can check out the uh, lab website. It's uh, graymicrolab.com. That's gray with an A. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can read about all of the cool science we're doing um uh and if uh i mean if any of your listeners have questions about science or mm-hmm. academia or anything that they they think my opinion might be useful on uh, there's contact information on that website people should feel free to reach out um, cool but uh but yeah thank you again for uh that this this podcast has been tremendously helpful um, over the last little while. And uh, I mean, I'm a big fan of the other work that you, you and Ursula do as well, mm-hmm. but, uh, but, uh, and, and I really appreciate your taking the time to talk to me. This has <laughs> oh. been a lot of fun. No, it's, uh, I, I am always kind of humbled and honored that people want to talk to me. So really thank you for making the time in your schedule to be able to have this discussion because it's been a real pleasure. Oh, it's been fantastic. It's been fa- absolutely fantastic. Thank you, Mike. Uh, thank you so much for this. So. Yeah, well, thank you, Kevin. All right. Um, and for those of you at home, we'll be right back. Did I mention how much fun it was talking to Mike? It was several times. so much fun talking to him. And really, he's doing some really neat stuff. I mean, yeah. Okay, so let's talk about a badge code. This week's badge code is MicroLab. So you go to ProductivityAlchemy.com, you type in MicroLab into the little box that says enter the badge code here. And you can earn a nice little badge following the Mozilla Open Badge standard that gives you uh, proof that you listen to the episode bragging rights among your friends and family. If you don't know how the open badges work, go and listen to one of the other hundred episodes where we explain right. how they work. Uh, actually, there's there's an explanation on the badge page. Oh, good. So, yeah. Go to the website and it will explain how right. badges work. Go to productivityalchemy.com, work. click badges, and it will talk about that. 
can we just reference the page now instead of explaining? I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, yeah. yeah, I'm gonna start referencing the page. So, wow, yeah, no, it was really exciting talking to Mike. And one of the things we talked about, of course, was successes and success is its own reward. Right now, I have a success going on that is more than its own reward. What? 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 We were just outside while y'all were listening to the to the interview. We were outside putting the chickens away. We're checking on the chickens, all of the above. And while we were out there. I went to show Ursula the worm bin. Now, most days when I go out with the worm bin and pour the compost into it, because we're, we're uh, vermicomposting, it's kind of twilight-ish, and we didn't have a flashlight. This time, we had a flashlight. And the system is working. His bin is full of squirmy decomposition. Yes, it's, it's brilliant. And... <clears throat> And look, I get this. Whenever I plant, like, if I plant a plant and then I see a bird, like, eating the plant, I'm like, woohoo, the system works. I think Smokey's... Roaming around, wailing. Yeah. Yes, existential sorrow of being a Siamese. Right. Uh, the, the side effect, though, is the bonus here is that a couple more weeks, maybe a month or two, we're going to have full-grown worms, which we can then put into your garden. We then well, you, my my garden's already full of worms. I, I assumed you would give them to the chickens. Oh, I'm going to give some to the chickens. I don't want to give them all to the chickens because then, I mean, the idea here is to have a self-replicating thing. But the other thing you're going to get out of this is worm tea. Is worm tea? Yes. And that is we are not steeping the worms like no, tea bags. That no. would be wrong. That would be very wrong. Very and very weird. Wrong. Really weird. Worms produce a byproduct, yep. the liquid, which is hopefully going to be like uh, leaking out of this into mm -hmm. the lower bin, yep. is called worm tea. And it is a super uh, compost thing that fertilizer right. that we will dump on the plants and hopefully they will, you know, shoot up 18 feet tall. Yep. And the other thing that then will explode. be happening in there is the casings, worm casings. Yes. Which are also sort of a super fertilizer bit. The very best soil in the garden is worm casings. It pokes up actually most reliably between the right. uh, the paving stones. And then it gets washed down to one side of the garden by rain. So about once a year, I go out and shovel worm casings from where they have caught up on kind of a rampart of, of paving and uh, distribute them amongst the plants. Yes. It's a really inefficient system as it stands, but it works. But it works. And it gets me exercise. So there you, know. you go. Yeah. Anyway, the whole the whole thing is that this is a system that's working. Yes. And hopefully if it continues to work, we will be able to reap additional benefits other than just we're now composting into a bin and feeding worms. Yes. Yes. Yeah, if we can throw some of those worms in my compost heap. Oh, yeah, yeah. My uh, we'll, porch, we'll... sad, neglected compost heap. Yes. I already tried to seed it with some from the from the large pile of manure we had delivered, mm -hmm. but I don't really think they took. Uh, honestly, I think it's too dry. It uh, might be. Yeah, the, the compost heap is, is kind of dry at the moment, and mm -hmm. uh, that's no good for anybody. So No. No. It, it Yeah, drying just makes dried vegetable matter. It doesn't actually make compost. So. Yes. All right. Well... So, not That's that you guys care week. about worm poop and compost. Well, some of you do. I'm sure like, some of you tell do. Tell me yeah. more. I tell you what, I'll, I'll put a link into uh, about vermicomposting in the show notes. When I put in all of these amazing notes I have from my interview with Mike. So there we go. Woo. Woo. 
And that's it for this week. We'll be back next week. And in the meantime, folks, just remember, stay productive. Worms. Worms. Worm sign. Worm sign. <laughs>